0: I had a really horrible experience. I know not everybody does. However, I poured my heart out. I was so vulnerable. And the response I got was, well, just don't go to the store and buy the food and love yourself. And that just shut <laughs> me down and triggered me even more. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not meant to take this route. I just had this intuitive nudge that I am meant to figure this out on my own. I don't yet know why, but I need to figure this out and I don't want someone with such a lack of empathy who didn't go through it and has no idea how to support somebody obviously with it.
1: Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well-lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey Tribe, have you ever been sitting on the couch watching TV and snarfed down an entire bag of chips or stood in front of the Freezer with the door open, 10 o'clock at night, and inhaled an entire carton of ice cream. If you have, you are going to love my guest today. Her name is Amber Romaniunk. She is an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert who helps professional women achieve optimal health through mindful eating, self-care, and overcoming self-sabotage with food. Her podcast, the No Sugar Coating Podcast, has millions of downloads over 300 episodes and is listened to in over 88 countries. Amber shares deeply and very vulnerably her own story of emotional eating after gaining and losing more than 1000 pounds and spending over $50,000 on binge foods and spending five years healing from that balancing her hormones and her digestion. And if you get nothing else out of this really truly inspiring story, I want you to hang out and look for the two spots that I thought were most interesting where she talks about how to determine if you're eating emotionally and mindlessly or not. Because even though her story is kind of extreme, most people are eating emotionally and not thoughtfully And it can contribute to a lot of disease and just general unwellness. And you'll also want to listen for where we talk about the gut and brain um, relation and what that looks like. I share a little bit about my stories too. So happy listening and let me know what you think. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am your host, Emmy Krishner. And on today's show, I have Amber Romagnac. She is an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert. And I'm so excited to get to talk to you because emotional eating, Amber, is one of my most, I think, interesting topics is when I was health coaching was where my zone was. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested in hearing your story because in your bio, it says that you've uh, lost over a thousand pounds yeah so welcome to the show and
0: tell me a little bit about you yeah thank you emmy for having me and yeah it was a ride like gaining and losing a thousand pounds in five years going back and forth between like binging and binging and purging and restriction and diets and using exercises punishment it was it was a ride um so yeah for me like my whole business was birthed out of my personal experience of what I went through. And, and I always say like, there was a couple key things that happened from a young age that really created these behaviors with food and my body and my beliefs. And so when I was five, my first day on the bus, we just moved to the country. And so I was taking the bus and I was all excited. Like when you're five, you're just, you're in your child's out. You're like, I'm going to make friends and it's going to be so great. And so I get on the bus. And all the older boys look at me and start saying, look at her, she's ugly, she's fat. And then everyone's laughing at me. And that moment really defined the next 20 years of my life, because I, I, from then I was like, well, if strangers are saying it, it must be true. So I took on the identity of ugly and fat. I became very insecure. Didn't Mm -hmm. want to have boys as friends because, you know, they're mean, right? So I created all these limiting beliefs. Um, And so that really, I feel like just shut me down. Um, And then I grew up, my mom had multiple sclerosis for my whole life and, um, she was born or sorry, I was born before she was, or she was diagnosed before I was born. And so one of the ways for us to compensate, you know, with activity for her was like, Revolving everything around food because there's just certain things we couldn't do together because she would get fatigued or her symptoms would be heightened. And she had a food addiction too. I just didn't know that until I healed my own relationship with food. And so, you know, there was always a wide array of like fast food, baked goods, like candies, etc And there was never any limitations. And so I feel like growing up, where it was a free for all anytime, there was no. Like okay we should be mindful with this. It I just grew up assuming you eat whatever you want whenever you want and you have to assume that like some people have good genes, some people have crappy genes and are going to be overweight and that's that. I didn't understand that food played such a huge role with your well-being and it's it's not her fault, it's no one's fault, but we just don't know. We don't know. And so then I started getting into like teen magazines and Hollywood and like music and movies and you see all the women and and the teen stars have like the perfect bodies right and so now I'm being conditioned that like Mm there must be something wrong with me because I don't I don't fit into this image this box even though they're not telling you well we photoshopped everything to the nines and we've edited everything right there's no disclaimers and And so now I'm like
1: trainers and oh my gosh
0: all the stuff and yeah yeah yeah, so I'm like now being really hard on myself because I don't look like all the celebrities. I created this belief that like in order to have fame and love and money, etc., I have to look like this, and I don't. So like my life's probably gonna suck, right? So I grew up like dieting, and then the bingeing got really bad. Um, when I was 21, I went through a breakup. I literally couldn't eat, so the weight started coming off really fast. And then I was exercising two hours a day, not eating enough reach my quote unquote goal weight. But then my cycle disappeared. I was really unhappy. I was became even more critical of my body. I'm like, Oh, can I lose another pound? Can I tone this part of me? It didn't fix anything. Um, and then one day I went to a party and had like the ice cream cake and had things I wasn't allowing myself to have. And I had my full, first full-blown binge. And from there, I binged for about a year straight, gained about 60, 70 pounds in four months. It was just devastated now being the heaviest I had ever been. And it was just so stuck in the cycle. Like I would spend my days off from my crappy retail job like going and buying cupcakes and eating them and then going and getting fast food and and then you know I tried to shy away from that and going to the organic store to justify that it was a healthier choice and I would just go and sit and numb out with food and tv and wish that I was the character in the movie and I didn't realize that I was struggling with binge eating until about a year into it when I realized I don't think this is right this doesn't feel healthy I can't stop I don't know what's wrong and so I started to kind of like do a bit of research and see like okay yeah I'm using food as a coping mechanism I'm eating until I'm so full I'm sick sometimes I'm purging right not taking ownership and I'm always thinking about food to either diet or sabotage um and so that's what really you know kicked off the food addiction and all the self-sabotage that I went through and the low point that I needed to have happen because what was happening is it was like I know I need to change this I know I need to do something about this But the fear of the unknown, the fear of failure, the overwhelm of where do I even start and who would I be if food and body image wasn't like the vein of my existence, like who would I be and what identity would I have? All that fear was keeping me in this comfort zone of suffering and familiarity of like, well- this isn't good, but at least like I can use food as a coping mechanism and I have diets to fall back on. So the night I was like laying on the couch, i had finished a binge. I was in so much pain, so bloated crying, just like afraid for my life. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make 30, if I keep in this cycle, but I don't know how to stop. And I always threw the food in the garbage. And so that night after I had some room, some food settled, right. I went in the garbage, I grabbed the cookies, I ate some of them. And then I just sat on the floor and cried, because it's just the shame, the sheer shame and embarrassment of digging through the garbage and eating the food. You know, you're 22. Like these are supposed to be the best years of my life. I'm at home. I'm broke. I have a crappy job. I'm a lo- I have nobody. Nobody knows I'm doing this. But I needed that to happen because that is the moment where the suffering became bigger than all the fears that I had. And then it broke through the fear. And I'm like, I don't care what I have to do to figure this out. I'm figuring it out because I'm not going to die early because I couldn't figure out how to stop this. And I know I'm here to be on this planet to serve a bigger purpose. And that's then the like invisible, like urge that came over me and started to guide me down this different path.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) there's so much to play with here
0: right yeah and significant
1: yeah well yeah and i've i've so many thoughts running through my head one that i think everybody emotionally eats at some point in yeah. their lives um just because it's it's there and it's an easy way to as you said kind of numb out or reduce stress or any number of other things but um it it sounds like like your extremes were really extreme, yeah, as well. And what was your thought process? like once you kind of hit bottom, did you ask for help? I was like, how did how were you supported in in healing and exploring like why am I doing this to myself? Because, yeah, whether somebody's using food like you did or any number of other things, work, other relationships, um sex, drugs you know whatever it's it's all kind of the same mm-hmm. thing where we're not looking at what's hurting us yeah so how did yeah. you yeah how did you climb out
0: so i at first started learning about what binge eating what is binge eating what is food addiction why what is emotional eating why are people doing this and and what i first learned is number one like i don't have any healthy ways to cope with stress Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of feeling my emotions. I don't know what's triggering me. And I hate myself and my body. I don't like the way I look. I want to look a certain way. I don't. So I'm trying to use food to control the way I look, but then I'm completely out of control with the emotional eating. And so it really birthed that all or nothing mentality. So I went once to see a psychologist about a year into like trying to figure things out. I was just doing it on my own and I had a really horrible experience. I know not everybody does. However, I poured my heart out. I was so vulnerable. And the response I got was, well, just don't go to the store and buy the food and love yourself. And that just shut (laughs) me down and triggered me even more. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not meant to take this route. I just had this intuitive nudge that I am meant to figure this out on my own. I don't yet know why but I need to figure this out and I don't want someone with such a lack of empathy who didn't go through it and has no idea how to support somebody obviously with this. So I embarked on it on my own and so what I started to realize is I had really horrible digestive issues and I started to research sugar and like learning that sugar is 10 times more addictive than cocaine blew my mind and I'm like, wow. Crazy, I don't right? have an issue. Like this is the food. This is the food doing this to me. Like I, there's not anything wrong with me. And that was a relief. And then realizing I had horrible candida, like unhealthy bacteria in large intestine, the sugar was feeding that insanely and making my cravings worse and bloating and all the symptoms. And then I started to learn about gluten, the protein and wheat. And that that was causing me a lot of digestive issues and inflammation. And that that also excites the same part of the brain as heroin and hard drugs. And then I learned about the casein and dairy. And I'm like, no wonder I can't just eat one piece of cheese because like cheese has the most casein and it gives the same response, especially to someone who has that addictive like tendency. And so when I started learning about the food and the MSG in the food industry, I was angry. I was bitter. I could not believe that these ingredients, like some of these were purposefully being put into food to create an industry where you get addicted and then you're spending all this money and it just makes them a lot of money and they don't care about your health. That was like a hard pill to swallow, but I got through it. And then you get empowered and you start voting with your dollars. So I changed the way that I ate. I started shopping more locally at the farmer's markets and making more of my own food. I, I personally made the decision to go gluten-free and dairy-free, number one, because my food addiction was so severe. And if I tried to just have bits of them, I was like falling way down the mountain and it would be hard to get back up. Um, And because my digestion felt a lot better, my mood when I was not having them, it took me dozens of attempts, but I did cut them out. Same with refined sugar. Again, that was a personal decision. I don't necessarily make people do that. But for me, my addiction was just so severe. I had to get them out. Um, And I felt really good with the new way that I was eating. But the problem was I was still wanting to binge on like cashews and gluten-free pasta and baking gluten-free muffins and wanting to eat them all. And that's when I really realized I had this void, this lack of self-love, this unworthiness that I was trying to fill with food that I couldn't. So then I was like, okay, there's deep emotional work to do here. So I started identifying my emotional eating triggers. I literally started making a list and putting it in every room in my apartment to remind myself to check in before I just went to the store. I started to build a self-care routine um, so that I could h- start holding space for myself to feel my emotions. And I would sit and be like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so scary to feel. But I'd affirm like it's safe to feel nothing's bad going to happen. And as I did that, I realized, wow, I can feel things and the world's not going to fall off, right? And so that was profound. So meditation, breathing, yoga, tapping, baths, books, journaling, like energy work, getting into these things was it's like I felt like I was discovering this part of me that I had like not had access to since I'd gotten on this planet which felt so amazing. And then, you know, I started to realize I had an ego. I had all these limiting beliefs and like I was so asphyxiated with my body image and my weight. And so I ditched the diets, I ditched the scale. I started to catch the negative self-talk and start talking kindly to my body, having gratitude for her. And so then the binging really started to stop because I was catching it, looking at what the trigger really was and giving myself what I really needed instead. And I was, you know, learning how to make peace with my body. I put her through so much and I was like praying I would get a second chance to have health. Um, and so as I went through all of that, then I tapped into my intuition and that was scary because my, our intuitions are strong and I could start to see things in the future and feel things. And I was like, well, this is scary. And a part of me wanted to shut it down with food again, but I didn't, but I I started to learn about intuition and my intuitive gifts and that I was an empath and very sensitive to energy. So I needed to learn how to protect myself and all these things. And so as all that evolved, And I stopped the binging, then I was able to balance my digestion and my hormones, which did take about five years because I did a lot of damage to my body, but I sorted all of it out, but that was what the process really looked like for me was. Changing the way that I ate and then really doing the emotional work and the mindset work and then the spiritual energetic aspects came in Um, i'm not. I haven't been fearful or like worrisome with wheat, dairy and sugar for a long time. Now I choose to still not eat a lot of them because I feel brain fogged and my frequency drops and I don't like that. And there's so many alternatives now, but that is a decision that changed everything for me because I feel like when we're really vulnerable to food but we keep being told, well, like you should be able to just have a bit and be okay, but that's not the state that you're currently in and can handle. You just keep failing. And so for some people, we have to really honor the food vulnerability and be really honest with ourselves and go like, if I eat a piece of this cake and then want to eat the rest of it, or I eat this piece of cheese and then want to eat the rest of it. I want to be honest and acknowledge that. And maybe there are certain things I'm going to swap for alternative ingredients for now to just help me along. Right. 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 I thank you. <laughs> um I'm curious
1: too, like as you're going through this process, like not that you necessarily kept count, but I think people frequently feel like they have like two or three limiting beliefs. And once they bust through those, they're all good. And then um they either deny or surprise when there's like another level. So like at because this took you said like five years. Yeah. Um what was that process like as you were discovering either a new limiting belief or the same one on a different level?
0: Yeah. Oh, it was so frustrating at first. Cause you're right. You're like, I totally love myself now and I'm not binging anymore. So like everything is healed. And then it's like, boom, attachment, like fear of abandonment, deep stuff comes up and then boom, like, oh man, like I, I always need to be in a flow and I, I make ebbs wrong. And when things slow down, like I'm panicking, I need everything to be perfect with my business. So yeah, the next layer comes up. And at first, it was really frustrating because I did assume that like, that was just going to fix everything. Um, but what I really came to realize is every time a new limiting belief came up, there was an opportunity for deeper healing physically, emotionally, mentally, but also spiritually. Um, you know, past life stuff started to come up big time and, and healing that and realizing, wow, this fear of abandonment came from past lives. Okay. I, cause I can never figure out why in this lifetime I felt abandoned so deeply. So it led me to like accessing these parts of me and, and new teachers and mentors and learning new things that I never would have, if I wouldn't have faced them. Um, and, and I think, you know, after going through enough of it, you start to go, okay, like, it's going to be uncomfortable, but I've gotten through all these other things before. I know I'm going to get through this and this is only going to help me have a deeper sense of ease, peace, freedom, expansion. I'm going to be able to help my clients more with this now because I've been through it and I get it. The ego is always going to be leading us to the next thing, but we don't have to stay stuck in it as long. Like I find I shift and process so much more quickly. Right, right. Um, And then you see it and go, okay, yeah, I see that trigger. I get it. I don't have to give my power away to it. Like. Maybe my inner child needs some nurturing, but I'm moving on. Like it's it's just so easy now. But yeah, at first it was very frustrating and like oh, I thought I was just finished. But
1: I remember the first time I came up against the same limiting belief like again and and I was working with somebody to move through a, you know a bunch of different um, places where I was stuck and I was so mad. Mm-hmm. I was like, I already handled this. What do you mean? I'm like, you're supposed to be done. And she's like, my coach was like, no, 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 you're never done. <laughs> No, like, right. This is just a different level. I'm like, no, I don't like that. Like I, I was right. very resistant and now I'm like, Oh, it's similar. Like I understand now. So it's it's yeah. easier to make those shifts and kind of work through those, those
0: beliefs, um, or those places where you feel stuck faster. Yeah, I agree. And I'll have to say like one that was like a real frustration and disappointment was I wasn't binge eating anymore. I was working on balancing my hormones and things like that. And then I gained all the weight back again, all of it, plus more that I was the heaviest when I was binge eating and I wasn't binge eating. And that was so frustrating So I'm like, why? And the beauty of that, there obviously was a limiting belief there, which was like, I need to exercise to maintain my weight or lose weight. But the exercise was actually messing up my hormones so much and causing the protection to hang on. And I needed that to happen because what it showed me was, Number one, you need to learn to love and accept yourself right now, not superficially once some of it comes off. Number two, when your hormones are like significantly out of whack, cardio and certain kinds of exercise are not going to help you get healthy and get where you want to go. And I had to challenge that limiting belief. And I did. And I quit the gym. I really focused on rest and nurturing my body and like meeting the hormone imbalances where they were. And it like fell off and it blew my mind because I'm like, you don't need to exercise to lose weight. You don't need to diet to lose weight. It's like, it's self-love. It's the body feeling safe. It's balancing internally on all these levels. And, and so my point is, I guess every time we're met with one of those challenges again, like the gifts and the healing behind it are just so significant.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I'm curious too. Um, At what point did you decide to start helping other people and turn your experience into your current business?
0: Yeah. So I was about three years into my healing and then I went to, I got a natural nutrition, which... It's like the education. But to me, like my personal experience is like tenfold. Like I just have the brain of an addict. I know what they're going through. But that was in 2013 that I graduated. I started my business irony of it. We had like the worst flood in the history of like the province. Right. And everyone's like, this is the worst time to start a business. But I'm like, I don't care what anyone says. I'm doing it. And I thought if I went through this the way that I did, how many other women, I know men struggle too, but how many women, maybe they're not struggling as bad as me, but they are, or worse than me that have no support or seeing the psychologist that's just telling them to have more willpower, right? And that is what really inspired me to want to start my business and really focus on relationship with food, body, the hormone, the gut piece. And then after I got into the first year or two, I really brought in a lot more of a focus on like mindset, the ego, and now I'm bringing in more energetic pieces Um, but that's what, where it started. And so it's been nine years now. Wow. And I
1: want to talk about the brain gut, um, correlation, because I don't think people realize how significant this is. Um, I had SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth for those of you who don't know what SIBO is five, six years ago, I think it was six years ago. And, um, one, like I mean, I'm pretty, I'm tiny, like I'm five, four. And I think at the time I weighed like 115 pounds and, but I looked like I was six months pregnant. Like Mm, I was so bloated and it happened like, it wasn't a gradual thing. It happened almost overnight for me. It's like one day I was fine. And then, then two weeks later I was not like very not. And, um, I like, I couldn't think No, the brain fog was crazy in addition to being bloated and feeling uncomfortable and generally unhappy, just because I felt, you know, awful. Um, And I had to do, or I did do the gaps diet, which is not easy and not fun while I was traveling a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) less fun, Mm -hmm. but it really worked for a healing modality for me. Um, But to be like, to have that, that awareness of, of like everything almost shutting down and then slowly having everything turned back on. It has been such a, a, like a gold nugget for me. So what are some ways people can assess whether or not their gut is functioning properly? Mm,
0: great question. Yeah, so if you are not having daily bowel movements, not mm. good, you're reabsorbing toxins, your transit time isn't working properly, and that can be tied to your liver, your gallbladder, your gut flora, and your thyroid. So when our thyroid's underactive, sluggish metabolism is a huge part of the thyroid that can really slow down our bowels um when we have especially bloating so if it's more lower abdominal that's a huge sign of like that candida yeast overgrowth unhealthy bacteria in the large intestine and we can get a lot more of that from stress antibiotic consumption lots of sugar yeast, um, containing foods, alcohol consumption will, will make that flourish really badly. Obviously emotional eating and binging just makes it worse. Cause we're over consuming, um, brain fog is a huge sign of gut issues, right? Like your head just feels like it's in the clouds. Your memory isn't good. You're like, Everything's on sticky notes, and you're still like, What am I doing right now? And age has nothing to do with that. So I dislike when doctors and people say, Oh, well, it's just your age. No, mm-hmm. brain fog. None of these symptoms are because of age ever. It is literally there's an imbalance going on in the body that has not been addressed. Um, gas. So we're not supposed to be gassy. All this, oh, it's hereditary, is not true. Gas is a byproduct of yeast. So if we have a lot of yeast and we're eating foods that are feeding the yeast, the byproduct of the yeast is carbon dioxide. And then we toot. Right. So gas is not normal. Um, <laughs> low energy, low energy from poor digestion. Um, and then having like almost feeling like you're gaining weight in the abdominal that can be cortisol, which is a stress hormone, but it's also inflammation from your intestinal linings being so inflamed from eating on the run, eating mindlessly, emotionally eating, stress. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me mood mood is obviously very impacted so when i had a horrible candida and i would go from like trying to cut out sugar and gluten and then eating them again like my mood would be in the dumps for like a week anxiety um we produce serotonin in the gut and that is one of our feel good neurotransmitters hormones um and if we have happy guts and we have a healthy relationship with food it it produces pretty steadily and then we have a pretty steady mood but if we're binging and overeating and chasing reward and having dopamine hits right like it plummets and then we have a lower mood and then we can get, some people can get into depression and anxiety and things like that. So the gut is a huge part of our mood, our energy, our mental clarity, um, our sex drive, our fertility, so many different things.
1: Yeah. And for somebody also who is like, Oh, like I experienced some of these, what, what can they do about it? Like, how do you start? Cause there's a lot of information out there. Yeah. and. Um- not all of it's great. Some of it's awesome.
0: Yeah. I think the first thing is being aware of if you are struggling with any kind of emotional relationship with food, you Mm -hmm. have to address that first because while some digestive issues require certain eating protocols, trying to do that when you are struggling, restriction fuels rebellion, right? And emotional eating and binging puts so much stress on the digestive system.
1: Yeah. And I- I had a functional medicine doc, so I had, we'd done all these tests and I was supported when I was doing it. Um, and I was fairly crabby about it the whole time. Cause it was like, I had to count out a lot of what I was eating and I don't, I don't like doing that. No. <laughs> um, but I like, I, I don't know if I had a severe case or not, it was uh, severe for me,
0: Yeah.
1: but even little micro shifts can make really big changes in, in your gut. Correct.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So I like when I work with people like I don't do anything restrictive because everyone who's coming to me is struggling with some level of emotional eating. So first we're addressing that, but then we're building mindful eating practice, because so many people are eating on the run and your digestion is shut down. And then you get more bloated. Like when people start sitting and eating mindfully, their digestion gets significantly better, right? Being on a good probiotic, a good digestive enzyme, depending on like, if you need more stomach acid, or if your pancreas is depleted, like there's obviously specific things for each person Mm -hmm. adding in more gut friendly foods like peppermint and ginger and, you know, um, less raw foods, maybe for a period of time, more cooked, like there's small little things that we can do. But to me, like I always assess my clients gut health, we look at different symptoms, sometimes we do testing but just usually I know kind of right away what's going on and then we just make small changes once they're over emotional eating, then we go in more intentionally and balance their gut flora support their liver etc. And usually if they're not already fully free of their symptoms at that point than they are once we go through those processes. So I think it's different for everybody. Um, if you're not struggling with any kind of emotional relationship with food and you have something quite severe going on and you feel like um, a, an approach that's maybe a bit more restrictive will work for you and it's not going to trigger you great. I just find for most of my clients like it would throw them off the deep end. Cause that's what happened to me when I had horrible candy and I was so bloated all the time. I was put on this really invasive protocol where it was like green vegetables, animal protein, um mold-free nuts that's all I could eat and then I was taking these insane antifungals and I turned yellow in like three days of doing this protocol I was so exhausted I couldn't remember anything I felt absolutely mm-hmm. horrible it was extreme and then it was triggering me to binge because I was I was still doing that and the doctor didn't know about it so I think that's where it's so important to address that first because that's the biggest piece and then come yeah, to the other absolutely physical healing
1: and for somebody who's like well I don't know if I eat emotionally or not what are some signs um, Yeah. For for those of people or those listeners who aren't as in that kind of extreme back and forth like you are.
0: Yeah. So emotional eating is any reason for eating other than physical nourishment. So if you're bored, you're sad. You're happy. You've just finished dinner. You know, you're full, but you're going to dig through the cupboard because you want to have something sweet. You have the mentality of, I have to clear everything off my plate because they're starving people while well, you're overeating because you're not paying attention to your full signal. When you're fatigue is an emotional eating trigger. Multitasking and eating is an emotional eating trigger because you are letting people pleasing and insecurity and fear of letting others down, stop you from setting a healthy boundary to just stop and eat your food. Um, versus physical hunger is things like my stomach is growling. I have a hunger signal. And if you don't, you probably have a thyroid issue. Um, my blood sugars drop. So I'm like jittery, hangry, moody, right? I've gotten too hungry. So I need to eat. So there are physical hunger cues, but 90% of the time it is emotional hunger, overwhelm, sadness, loneliness. you got on the scale and you don't like the number you see. So now you're like, screw my diet. I'm just going to go eat whatever I want. Our physical symptoms can trigger emotional eating because the more out of whack our hormones, the more out of whack our digestion, the more cravings we have. And then the more intense your cravings, the easier it is to give them.
1: I'm curious what your thoughts are on the scale and weighing yourself.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I'm not a fan of it. To me, it's like all the scale measures is your full mass of gravity. It doesn't measure any healing progress, awareness that you you do on your journey, other than the number. And like people retain a lot of water. You can retain five to twenty pounds of just water retention alone, and the scale is not telling you that. It's just going, oh well, this is all fat, right? Which is not true. So what I like to do is I like to get people away from the scale because I feel like it's very mentally exhausting and that's a trigger weighing in and not seeing a number you want to see can trigger emotional eating So to actually move away from it and take the focus off of the weight because weight is a protective mechanism mm-hmm. so if my if my body's protecting with weight she doesn't feel safe so then i want to start looking at well what can i do to help her feel safe and weighing and all the time is not going to help with that go by the way you're close by go by the way you feel and then once you feel like you've neutralized any worth to the scale and if you're ever curious but you're you know like you know whatever it says, like, I love myself and you can be neutral and you want to go on once or twice a year. Like, I mean, you're going to do what you want to do, but it's so such a healthier dynamic when you detach from it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, my experience has been the people obsess. Oh, I'm, I'm up two pounds got to change yeah. everything. Yeah. And that doesn't account for the, the water weight or that your weight changes throughout the day. Yeah. Every day. Exactly. It's <laughs> yes. not meant to be stagnant. No. So. Yeah. So Amber, this has been so much fun. Um, I'm really curious because you have a super uh, fun quiz for people who want to kind of check you out. Can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah. So I do have a free emotional eating quiz. So if you're wondering, if you're struggling, you can go to amber.ca, click the emotional eating quiz. There's about 14 questions there to answer. It'll give you a better idea. And then you'll get some really beautiful, like little details and information afterward, um, depending on what, where you feel called to go. Um, But it's just a great little intro taste.
1: Yeah. Well, and a great way to see like where you are too. Yeah. Like um, you may be far less of an emotional eater than you think you are.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's a yeah. good. It's a good gauge.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, it's part of why I moved into business coaching was I was working with you know as a health coach with entrepreneurs who were emotional eating and mm-hmm. like I don't know why I'm you know eating ice cream at 10 o'clock at night, standing in front of the freezer with the door open. I'm like, well, let's talk about that, and it ended up being you know their sales or they you know somebody left unexpectedly, so it was my call is to serve um, in that way and help them solve their business problems because it helped solve their emotional eating as well. Uh, But I love that you're doing this work because food is like, and I don't think people think about this, food is um, like part of every ritual in every culture from birth to death. Yeah. So it's important and it's what helps keep us alive. It's like, it's fuel, it's vitality. And we treat it like in our bodies, like we're just on the way to something else.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of of
1: mindlessness. Taking, yeah. Taking a couple of minutes. What do you see with your clients where they are experiencing whatever they're experiencing from an emotional eating standpoint and um, what, what happens for them? You know, what can they, what can they do after they stop eating emotionally?
0: Oh, it's the the freedom that comes into their mind and the 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 mental spaciousness that is now available because I'm not worried about food craving food upset because I just overdid it or dieting is life-changing. So as they heal their relationship with food, they're now deepening their relationships with their spouses and their families, or they're finding love relationships because now they feel worthy and confident. And obviously you're a mirror and you manifest. They're growing their businesses. They're starting businesses. They're increasing their rates in their businesses. They're setting healthy boundaries. They're saying no hiring, asking for help. They're, you know, going on trips and finally like going and being social because they're not, you know, afraid to hide anymore. They're, they're healing their confidence. They're speaking, they're, they're taking promotions in their, and their job. Like it's, It is so life changing and they're saving a lot of money because they're not spending so much on binge food, takeout, weight gimmicks and quick fixes, different clothing sizes. Like it literally impacts every area of their life. And then they access their intuition and they feel a sense of power. They probably haven't felt in a long time or if ever. Yeah. And I think that's from a leadership perspective, like when you're
1: honoring yourself, that's where everything changes. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh yeah. And embodiment is very important if you're a leader, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, because people are watching. Yeah. It's, I mean, for me, leadership is very close to parenting. Um, and your kids are watching what you're doing, and yeah. it's the same thing with everybody else. So if you're preaching one thing and then doing another, you're just totally out of integrity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Amber, I'm going to put you on the spot. I've been okay. a while. So. <laughs> I love uh, it. Share with us. Yeah. Share
0: with us what your favorite quote is. It's just popped oh. into my head. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I love it. Yes. Okay. Um, and why, and why that one? Since
1: I think we all do that at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was in a yoga class and she shared it at the beginning of the class and I was still struggling with binge eating and like, oh diets. I need to just find the right eating style. And I was like, holy crap. I'm literally doing the same thing over and over and it is driving me insane. I really this thank you for the sign. I need to do something different. The eating styles aren't going to fix this. It was profound actually. Yeah. Awesome. So you decided to stop being insane. Yeah. And it saved me a lot of time, energy and money.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So Amber, thank you so much. Share with everybody where they can connect with you.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Emmy. So you can go to my website at amberapproved.ca. The quiz is there. If you want to connect and book a body freedom session, it's there. The podcast is there too. I have the No sure Coding Podcast, with 300 episodes. So you can listen there if you want to come and tune in. It's also available on the podcast apps. And then I'm on Instagram and it's Amber Romaniuk, R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. Awesome.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders.